Our scripture comes to us today from Hebrews 13, 1 through 6. Keep on live, loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say this with confidence. The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. You know, when I hear that text in Hebrews 13, I think of a picture of a person or a community that is free. Uh, Paul says in uh, Galatians, it is for freedom that Christ has set y'all free. And so that, you know, we forget that sometimes, but it's this picture of a liberated person, a liberated group who work for the liberation of others. And that's part of the vision of Christianity. I think as, as pastors, as ministry leaders, as church members, all baptized Christian, we should fiercely defend the freedom of people. And we tend to be enslaved by so many things. And it is our work in the church, whether it be children or teenagers or people who are shut in at home, to remind one another that in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are free. And therefore, we don't have to live as slaves any longer. Uh, Paul says, you don't owe your old life anything. <laughs> you know, it's, there is a new life ahead for all of us, whether we just began the journey today or we've been walking this path for 90 years. Uh, there is a future ahead uh, that God has called us to. So you think about this vision of someone who is extending hospitality to strangers. That's difficult. Uh, and so the reminder there is you, you, many people have entertained angels and they didn't even know it because they were showing hospitality to strangers. So you're showing hospitality to strangers. You're remembering those in prison. You are remembering those who are being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Don't you feel that? Don't you know that? Sometimes when you hear the mistreatment of others, we think, I mean, this is wartime and we hear about this. So we know what that is like. Uh, that is a good response. Uh, and so it's this sense of freedom. We're free to love. We're a secure people, a secure person. And so um, I think of the uh, liturgy and communion that we go through later where we get to the part of the offering and the service and we, often we say, as a forgiven and reconciled people, let us offer our gifts to God. We don't say, as an obligated and feeling guilty people, let us offer our gifts to God because we know we're supposed to, right? We say, as a, we're forgiven and we've been reconciled to God and to one another, so we have nothing to lose. Let's be generous. Let's give. That's the spirit in which we all give. And so in that, we are demonstrating and we're practicing that we are free 
from the love of money. The writer of Hebrews reminds us, not from money, but from the love of money. Very important distinction. So we're, another vision, another word for this vision is happiness. Uh, when, when Jesus told us that all the law and all the prophets and everything could be summed up in one command, uh, and that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and strength. And the second one is like it, he said, is love your neighbor as yourself. That vision for humanity is a vision that is not just something that Jesus commanded us to do, but it's something that Jesus knows would give us true happiness. And God wants us to have that sort of happiness where we find our happiness in Christ and we're a free people and we're free then to share that love, that freedom, that joy with other people. And so we have a right relationship with God, a right relationship with ourselves, and then we can extend that grace to other people. That's God's vision for humanity. And so that's what's at stake here. Uh, so that's the reason that we're doing a sermon series during Lent on the Lord's Prayer and its relationship to the capital vices. It's not because we got together and got our preaching team together and took a poll and said, what are the coolest things out there? Like, what are the top five trending things on TikTok? And how can we, how can we speak to those things? And how can we, you know, find, you know, consumer dynamics and metrics? No, we're doing this because this is age-old stuff. This is stuff that's been eating at us and gnawing at us and deteriorating our generosity since the beginning of time. And so we have a chance to work back through that and be a free people together. That's what's at stake. So that's why we talk about these uh, deadly sins or capital vices is so that we can recognize them in ourselves and in our communities and we can help one another to overcome those so we can be that vision of a free people who is hospitable, who's generous, who's remembering those who are suffering and we're able to give from that place of abundance rather than give from a place of, aw shucks, guess we should. Very big difference. So when we talk about today's vice, uh, avarice or guilt, what are we really talking about? What is the nature of guilt? And of course, you could spend weeks and weeks talking about guilt and avarice and its relationship to our possessions. But the basic idea of avarice is... So if, if you'll remember, we've been talking about these vices with, with pride, uh, which uh, according to the tradition has carried us away from God, and then envy has carried us away from one another, from our neighbor, and then um, wrath or anger has carried us away from ourselves. So if you think about it, we've been exiled in that way. We've been carried away from God. We've been carried away from our neighbor. We've been carried away from our own soul. Then we're very vulnerable. We're susceptible. And what avarice invites us to do is to seek our consolation and security somewhere else, somewhere besides God, somewhere besides one another, uh, outside of ourselves. So we're looking for what only God can give, but we're looking for it in possessions. And that's, that's what avarice, that's what happens with avarice. We, uh, we seek consolation. You know, that text in Hebrews, part of the way that we can be generous and free is that we know we're secure. We know that God is going to be with us And so it's that reminder, quoting the book of Joshua. Hey, just as I was with Moses, Joshua, I will be with you. So whatever you face in this new land, and it's going to be hard, just know that I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will be with you. And so the writer of Hebrews quotes that to say, in our call to generosity, we we can be generous because we know that God is with us, and we will never be abandoned. So that's our source of security. That's our sense of security, which is a proper human desire that we all want. But when we lose that in God, we tend to look for it in other places. You remember the old country song, looking for love in all the wrong places. You know, we do that with security too. We're looking for security in all the wrong places. And so 
when we lose our true happiness, we seek happiness externally, somewhere else. And it, unfortunately, we find, of course, that it does not deliver. I think avarice or greed is that thing that happens in our hearts when we consider what we possess or maybe what we're trying to possess and it makes us feel secure. So it's that, that thing in us that says, you know, as long as I have this, I'll be okay. I'll be fine. And if, if I can just hold on to this, everything will be good. And again, it, it's like money. It really doesn't matter how much it is. That's never the point. It could be a safety deposit box with two tiny little family heirlooms that aren't worth anything. Or it could be the largest estate in the state of Texas. And both can take us to a place of avarice. Both can pull us into that deceptive place of, if I just have this, I'll be fine. Uh, that's, that's the lie. That's how it works. It's not about how big it is. It's just about how much of our hearts that it holds on to. So if that's a picture of avarice, then what does avarice cost us? Why is this deadly? Why does it hurt us? What is the big deal after all? I mean, you know, you remember the famous Gordon Gecko speech, you know, Wall Street, greed is good, right? Avarice is good. It keeps the world going. Let's, let's keep it up. It's what drives our economy. Uh, but why, why does it hurt us? Why does it cost us something in this world? So I think the first thing is it costs us peace. You know, we always talk about we, we're seeking the peace of God, which, which passes all understanding, the peace of Christ. That's something we want. Well, I think when avarice has a hold of us, it costs us peace. We're not resting when we don't feel secure. And so if we're not resting in God, then we're going to be frenzied and grasping for the next thing to come along. And, uh, we know, we lack contentment in God, and so we're going to be scrambling to find the next thing which will finally make us okay. Uh, I think this is one of the reasons that we practice some sort of Sabbath, you know, and from the beginning, this was God's gift to us to say, hey, there's at least one day a week where you don't have to be defined by what you earn. You can just rest and you can gather everything that day ahead and, and take a break. It's okay to rest, to take a break. Um, and we take a break from different things to remind us that we belong to God. Um, one little thing that I was thinking of this week when I was working on this, and again, can illustrate, it can be the smallest little thing, um, but I hate eBay now because eBay's figured out in my email somehow of the things that I like to look for on eBay, and I promise they would be valuable to none of you. It's like old hammers, you know, like those old 12-ounce finish hammers that I really like that they don't make anymore. And so eBay now knows that I like those. So every once in a while, it'll, it'll remind me like on Monday morning, like, hey, we're eBay, don't you want a new hammer? And you know, my whole family's like, dad, you have enough hammers. Uh, we, know, we know that it's important to have the right tool, but really, I mean, does a guy need 40 hammers? Probably not. Um, so, but eBay knows that and I'm like, ooh, but if it's the right deal, I'll, I'll get it. You know, so somewhere in this weird twisted universe, if I have enough hammers, I'll be okay. You know, zombie apocalypse or whatever happens, you can come to my house for hammers. I don't know what good that'll do us. Um, we can build some things the old-fashioned way. But anyways, that's just a little thing. But if I take a break from buying things, it sets something free in my soul. Uh, it's an important little piece. So it's, it's, all of us would be a little different. Uh, the next thing that it costs us, uh, and aside from a peace with God, is I think it costs us our... Uh, kind of vulnerability and intimacy with one another, because if I'm consumed by avarice, then all you will ever be to me is a commodity. We, it's kind of the commodification of one another. That's what happens in avarice. And it's basically that thing that I, I am only interested in you at, for what you can give me. So even some leadership business stuff will kind of be like, you should invest in people. So they'll give you, you know, so they'll invest in you. Um, and and that's, that works sometimes, but it's not the vision for how we love people. 
And so, uh, you know, people become a means to an end, and it's like, oh, I really like this guy. I think I'll hang out with him uh, just so I can have, you know, in case I need a favor down the road. Uh, so people become commodities that we kind of move around in our little economy because, again, I have to be able to possess certain things in order to be okay. And so if you can help me with that, great. If not, then it's been nice knowing you. I'm going to move on to somebody else. You know, that's, that's how it costs us this relationship with one another. Um, and so... You know, you think of the old expression, like, that person's just not worth my time. <laughs> we say that a lot. I say that a lot. That's just not worth my time. And usually what we're saying is, I don't see anything that they can offer me, and so I'm, I'm out. Well, you know, we love people. We love children. We love those that are vulnerable. We love senior adults who can't offer us. You know, we're, we're bringing something. We're, we're giving of ourselves. We're not asking for anything in return. And that's the beauty of the love of Jesus is uh, it's given unconditionally. And that's what we kind of have a chance to reciprocate and give to the world. Uh, this is where I think I, I resonate with Judas so much. And it's the Lenten season and we're getting into you know, Holy Week and we look at the character of Jesus. And it's so good for us that, that the story of Jesus is still in the scriptures. And, and it's such a horrible story. But it's such a familiar story. And you think about the humanity of Jesus, this was, or Judas, this is not just kind of some guy that was always just a bad dude. Uh, but he was following Jesus all these years. And we get to the end, and you realize something got inside of Judas. And he let slip. And I think a lot of it was avarice. I think Judas had this hold, uh, you know, avarice had this hold of him to where he couldn't see God. He couldn't see his fellow disciples in the way that he needed to. Uh, the example that I'm thinking of is in John 12 where uh, they're at Bethany and Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead and so they, they prepare a meal in his honor and they're saying, wow, isn't this wonderful that Lazarus is alive and we, we can celebrate this. And so Mary, the sibling of Lazarus, who's grateful and joyful, she takes a, an expensive jar of perfume. Do you remember the story? She takes an expensive jar of perfume and she and she pours it on Jesus and, and sort of as anointing his feet. And she washes his feet with her hair. It's this beautiful act in the room, you can imagine, is filled with this fragrance of this expensive perfume, this ointment. And, and you're just thinking, you're reading along, and you go, this is a beautiful moment. What an act of worship that Mary has just given to Jesus. And so what is the first thing that Judas objects? You know, he steps in and he goes, wait a minute. This is ridiculous. This is wasteful. He said, we should have taken that expensive perfume. That stuff was worth like a year's wages. We could have taken that and sold it and given the money to the poor. But instead, Mary, you wasted it. And then John, as the narrator, tells us, but Judas really wasn't that worried about the poor, but he was mad because he was stealing. He was mad because he was taking some of what was coming in to the treasury, and he was skimming off the top. That's why he was mad. He's thinking, I just lost money today because of your wasteful act. So he totally missed the beauty of the worship that Mary was offering. And if I'm honest with myself, very often I see, I'll notice the generosity of others and I'll think, ooh, ouch, you know, could we have done something better with that money? Or, you know, you just kind of, it, it slowly works its way in and you, and you miss these moments of beauty because we're going gosh, we could have been a little better with our money there, or why did they give that? Why are they so generous? Why do they keep giving that over there? Don't they know this, that, and the other, right? And it's just a vicious cycle, and it's very uh, dead-end and frustrating. And that, I noticed 
so I'm very sympathetic with Judas in that way because I know I probably would have been that guy sitting there going, um, this is not working in the ledger. We got to stop doing wasteful stuff like this. Uh, but all Mary was trying to say is this, this is the son of God and we can pause and offer the most valuable thing we have in worship to him. So that's how avarice kind of does its number on us. That's how avarice destroys us, hurts us, beats us up. What is the way out? You know, what is the remedy? How do we get away from that when it has a good hold on us? And uh, in, in the kind of as we've been going through the Lord's Prayer and looking at how these simple pieces of the prayer can actually help set us free from these vices, uh, the one that we arrive at today is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or for those of you that grew up Presbyterian, today would be a good day to remember the version that says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, those that are indebted to us. It's this uh, understanding that I have been set free from something and therefore I'm a free person and I can then, out of my freedom, I can give, I can be generous, I can set others free. And so when we are seeking consolation in external things, avarice, we are essentially trying to give ourselves what only God can give us, that kind of security that only comes from God, and uh, that rest in God. So I was thinking about the different ways that we kind of resist forgiveness. And it's a little bit oversimplified, but uh, usually if we're not extending forgiveness to other people, it's probably because we haven't had the experience of forgiveness ourselves, or we're kind of out of touch with our own status of forgiveness. And so one reason we wouldn't uh, forgive others is that we just was like, well, I don't really have a sense of my own forgiveness. And then I got to thinking about, well, what is it that keeps us from receiving God's forgiveness? Because in Jesus on the cross, all of us have already been forgiven. Every person out there that is doing all the most awful things that you can think of or people that wherever people are today, everyone in the world has been forgiven by Jesus. The cross was a gift to the entire world to break the power of sin across all boundaries, all tribes, all the stuff. And so it just becomes our work to receive that forgiveness, to accept that forgiveness and let that forgiveness work in our lives. So... Um, So when we're not receiving that, so the way that we receive forgiveness, or I should say the, the, the thing that keeps us, I think, from for receiving forgiveness, one of them is that I don't need forgiveness because I already have my security elsewhere. And that's, that's my greatest temptation. I, already, I don't need forgiveness of Jesus today because things are going pretty well for me, you know, whatever it is. It could be stock market, good day. It could be things are going well with the business. Things are going well with family. I don't really need forgiveness. What do I need forgiveness for? Everything's going well. My security is other places. The other reason, though, that we resist forgiveness can be that we feel like we are unforgivable. And uh, that, that's the one that breaks our heart maybe the most is we hear someone talk and they talk to us and we can kind of hear that little tinge of this person truly thinks that they're unforgivable. And we've all been there where we think, well, it was because of this season in my life or it was because of this thing that I did or didn't do that I'm unforgivable. And so I think Jesus would call out to us in both of those places today and would remind us that... Uh, that he has forgiven us and that there's something there for all of us. And so I want to invite you to just a really simple exercise. Uh, and I was trying to do this this week, just kind of working through it. And so I want you to imagine one thing in your life, one thing that you possess, 
And just imagine holding your hands around it. Or it could be something that you're desiring to possess, that you're working towards possession of. One thing that you possess that we think would give us the perfect security that we need, i.e., as long as I have this, or if I get that, everything will be fine, I'll be perfectly secure. It's something external I can possess that will give me salvation. Something that we work hard for. You know, this is usually a good thing. that we're, If we're trusting something that much, it probably has its roots in a good thing. And then I want you to imagine one thing that you feel at times makes you an unforgivable person. Something I feel like makes me unforgivable. Like if people knew this about me, boom, I would be, I'm unforgivable. And so I want you to imagine those two things. And as we come forward in a moment for Holy Communion, I want you to sort of just say in your mind to that first thing, hey, possession number one, I have trusted you too long. I have leaned my weight into you and you cannot make me secure like I thought. You're a good thing, but you're not going to save me. You've left me empty in so many ways that I hoped you would give me fulfillment. And then I want you to say to the second thing, this thing that makes me feel unforgivable. I have hidden you too long in the shadows, thinking you were the one thing that could keep me from the life that God has called me to, the one thing that could make me unforgivable. And so today, I'm going to leave you at the cross. Today, I'm going to leave you at the altar when I come for communion. And I'm going to accept the, the forgiveness that Jesus made a reality, makes possible. It's a way of saying in both cases, I will not remember what God has forgotten. I think uh, just as a closing picture, uh, I want to invite you to remember the story of Zacchaeus. And uh, when we think about what hold avarice has on us and then how, how beautiful it can be when we let it go, uh, remember the story that Jesus is uh, coming into Bethany and, uh, uh, I'm sorry, he's coming into Jericho. Wrong, we're moving on, different story. Uh, he's coming into Jericho and he runs into this guy, Zacchaeus, who's a chief tax collector. And I love the little detail that Luke gives. And he was rich. <laughs> it's not, we don't know like Jeff Bezos rich or like, you know, Carlos Correa rich. We don't know, but somewhere in there, the guy had, had a lot of wealth. And so Zacchaeus is also of small stature. And so you'll remember he climbed up in the sycamore tree. And if the song is in your head, uh, you know, for the Lord he wanted to see. So Jesus recognizes Zacchaeus and he invites himself over. You know, we love it when Jesus does this. Hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. All right. This is how it's going to go. And Zacchaeus, uh, as a miracle, he receives Jesus joyfully. And somewhere along the way, he's experiencing some kind of forgiveness. And so the people, you know, are murmuring and they're grumpy because they're like, gosh, Jesus is eating with the wrong people again. He's celebrating with the wrong people. This is a notorious sinner. And Zacchaeus just makes this statement. He says, behold, Lord, and he calls Jesus Lord. It's a big step. It's a big step away from avarice. He says, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor. And if I have defrauded anybody, I'm going to do a little, a little audit. And if I've defrauded anybody, I will repay them. I will restore it fourfold. 
And I think that just that image of Zacchaeus there, that, that's a beautiful picture of what it looks like to let go of what hold avarice can have on us, uh, just as a great story and example that this is really possible. This is part of what forgiveness does uh, in our lives. So as you consider those images and the journey of forgiveness, of receiving forgiveness and sharing forgiveness uh, that Jesus is calling us to, uh, may you be strengthened and may you be blessed uh, by that journey. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.